0: Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a 4th Shift Fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the 4th Shift Fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of 4th Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience, and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. Hey, what's happening, guys? Chris from Force Shift Fitness, and we're out here with another episode. We're in the garage today. Pretty cool setting. I like to come out in the garage when I'm talking specifically about strength and conditioning stuff, because I'm surrounded by stuff. The computer right now is on a stack of plates. I'm looking at barbells. I'm sitting next to the squat rack. My coffee's sitting on a pair of power blocks. So it's a lot easier to kind of have ideas come to your mind when you're surrounded by stuff because today we're talking about uh, mobility, stability, and flexibility specifically in terms of injury prevention because there are three terms that get thrown around a lot. Uh, There's like Everybody seems to want more flexibility and Uh, more stability, but what does that really mean, right? I mean, does everything need to be super flexible or super stable? And this mobility thing in general is kind of a weird term that gets used a lot of weird ways and gets put to a lot of different things, but we're going to talk about each of the three and what they're good for and what they're not good for. So I think the easiest way to start that is by kind of defining them. So just breaking them down right from the beginning and stability, that's probably the easiest one to define because, It's just being more stable, and what do we kind of associate with stability is strength, right? Uh, But you can also associate things like tightness or restrictions or tension. That can be stability, and so when we start to look at it like that, we realize that uh, that tight, low back of yours might be trying to be really stable, and it might be craving stability, so it's creating tension. All right, That's a little bit deeper of a thought for a couple minutes from now, but... If we start thinking of it kind of what it is, right, and what it feels like, it can help us kind of clear it up. Now, we go to flexibility. This is a big buzzword, right? Everybody thinks they need more flexibility. And specifically, people always shoot for more flexibility in their shoulders. They say, my shoulders are inflexible. um, It hurts when I do this, or I can't reach back there, so I need more flexibility in my shoulders. But it may not be true, because flexibility is, generally speaking, a passive range of motion. And what that means is if I lay you on a table or lay you on the floor and then I take your arm and I tell you to relax 100% and I move your arm overhead, I push it as far as it can go, that's how flexible you are. So it's it's a passive range of motion, it's someone else stretching for you basically and you're not really holding a position, you're not loading it up at all, it's just seeing what that joint or what that area can move like. Now it's useful to see if there's a huge uh, deficit from side to side or if you're post-surgery and you need a standard of uh, passive range of motion like in your knee. Let's say you tear your ACL and now you're six months afterwards and they want to see your passive range of motion uh, of flexion in your knee. Can you touch your heel to your butt? That's an important marker. What degree can you get your your heel to your butt in a passive range of motion? That's important. Uh, in the functioning world, that's a little bit less important than its friend over here, mobility. And mobility is a controlled range of motion. That's an active range of motion. And a lot of times it's a loaded range of motion. And so it's not just how far can something move. It's how far can you, can you move it, right? And then how far can you move it while it's loaded or while there's a little bit of resistance to it or there's a little bit of pressure against it. So that's the one that we really key in on, especially for injury prevention, because you can have an uh, extremely flexible person who can do the splits, right? But if they're very, very unstable and weak in their flexibility, then they're more injury-prone than someone who can't do the splits but is able to protect their joints and protect their structure and integrity of their posture um, comparably, right? So you can have someone that's super flexible. That doesn't mean you're at a less of an injury risk then that's someone that is considered, like, tight or restricted or inflexible because that person can have greater mobility. They can have greater control of that range of motion, especially when under load or resistance or anything like that. So all three of them play a part in injury prevention. And regardless of what, which one you want to focus on, right, so that, that usually takes a screen of some sort or an evaluation by a professional of some sort to be able to tell the difference between these two. Um, but in any case, your goal with any of this should be to increase your margin of error. So that's kind of an overreaching goal, an overarching goal, I should say, of strength and conditioning. Uh, but it's one of the ones that can help you transition from saying, "Okay, I need to be more flexible," and then once you realize what that means, you say, "Maybe I'm flexible enough. I need to increase my mobility." And by increasing my mobility, as opposed to just becoming more flexible, will increase my margin of error. Now. To explain that, I'm going to use kind of an analogy, okay? So imagine you're walking down the sidewalk, and it's a wide sidewalk. It's like one of those asphalt paved bike lane things, right? And it's like six feet wide. You have all the room in the world to trip while you're standing on that bike path, and you won't fall into the grass, which we can consider injury, okay? So the sidewalk is your, your ability, and the grass on each side of it is potential injury. You can swerve, you can run backwards, you can zigzag side to side. You have tons of room to operate on this sidewalk before you come anywhere near touching the grass, which is injury, okay? Now, every time you add an injury in your past or restriction or a lack of range of motion or, uh, like I said, damage to a joint, that sidewalk narrows, and it narrows, narrows, narrows down. Now you're on like a regular old-school Two foot wide sidewalk, those really narrow, like square shaped block pattern ones, barely room for two people, right? Now you don't have as much room. You don't have as much wiggle room to stumble or to uh, do anything besides walk in a straight line, right? And that's what happens with our physical limitations, too. We go from being pretty much free as kids to be able to do whatever we want and bounce back and have um, a large margin of error, really wide side. We're like running in the middle of the street at that point, to getting older and older and Uh, kind of taking on more damage and more um, just life happens kind of things, and our sidewalk narrows, our margin of error narrows. Now if you stumble at all, you might be in the grass. And then if you ignore that, right, and you don't try to widen your sidewalk by increasing your margin of error, then you're working on like you're walking on the curb, basically, like a real thin balance beam strip of concrete for your sidewalk. And anything outside of perfectly placed steps is going to result in an injury. So think of that as a metaphor or analogy basically for how we can go through life. Over time, as our margin of error gets smaller and smaller, we get more timid and more hesitant to get involved and more hesitant to lift stuff and do things because we know that any wrong misstep, any kind of stumble or deviation from perfect is going to send us into that grass and we're going to have an injury. That's bad for general population. It's exceptionally bad for fire, rescue, and EMS. We need the greatest margin of error possible because we narrow our sidewalk just by putting on our bunker gear, just by putting on our uniform. The second you put on non-stretchy pants and a two-inch thick leather belt and tuck your shirt in, you've already taken that bike path and brought it down to a regular sidewalk, right? We've already introduced restrictions into our joints uh, that aren't usually there. So if you already have pre-existing mobility restrictions or limitations or whatever, mobility, stability, uh, flexibility limitations, All we're going to do is exacerbate those once we put our uniform on. And then once we put the fire gear on, forget it, man. Especially if you're wearing an air pack and a helmet and you got your gloves and your ankles are tied up by your boots and you got too much stuff riding too low on your hips, that's tied up. It's a mess. So we we need to have the greatest margin of error possible. We need the widest sidewalk possible before we even get on shift. And that's the best way to make sure that over time, now over the course of 30 years, your sidewalk's going to narrow almost no matter what. It's, it's going to get smaller. Uh, if nothing else, just from you getting 30 years older, it's going to get more narrow. We need to start with it as wide as possible so by the time it narrows down at the 28-year mark, you're still walking on a sidewalk and you haven't been kind of tiptoeing down a curb line for the past 10 years. Okay, So that's how it all ties in. Now the best way to figure out which of the three you need this is really a point where you should see a coach or a PT or someone who can tell the difference between those three things and tell you, yeah, I know, understand that your hips might feel restricted, but they're actually restricted because your lower back is unstable and they're unsta- that's clamping down on everything and then jacking up something else. Or I know you feel like your shoulders are tight, Your shoulders are tight because your upper back is too loose and it's searching for stability. There's a lot of different interplaying things here uh, that once you have someone from the outside look at it that can see your problems with a new light or at least run you through a few diagnostic exams that you don't know even exist, things can clear up really quickly or the correct plan of action can actually be put into play instead of just kind of looking for shoulder flexibility on Instagram or searching shoulder flexibility programs on Google when you might need, you might not need, let me say it correctly, you might not need more shoulder flexibility at all. You might need a drastic improvement in your shoulder mobility, right? I might be able to lay you down on the table. Let's run this through one more time and move your arm all the way over your head. Great passive range of motion. You don't need more shoulder flexibility, but you have trouble pushing 30 pounds over your head. You need more shoulder stability, right, and more shoulder mobility. You need to be able to lift heavier weights and then control heavier weights in those precarious positions at your end range of motion. That's what you should really need instead of just thinking, my shoulders are tight, i got to stretch them more. So that takes an outside perspective, and I really encourage you guys, if you have someone you trust or someone that uh, one of the guys at the station, guys or girls at the station has worked with in the past and they really like because they gave them something besides a cookie-cutter answer or just another goofy routine, Go check out that person. Tell them what you're feeling, what you're kind of experiencing, because you saying uh, my low back is tight means something different to me than to the next person, to the next coach, to the next PT, to the next chiropractor. And so uh, it might take a little bit of figuring out to see which one you need, but I would definitely encourage you to take these issues to a professional. I think we pretty much covered that, but that's how I feel. I just can't stand when people poke around in the dark and hope for the best, and then they come up more frustrated when they've stretched their shoulders religiously for six months and they still have pain or still have weakness or still have the instability. It drives me crazy. This is something that, um, you know, if we think about the other problems we have, if your car breaks down, you go to a mechanic, right? And if you're sick, you go to a doctor. And if your basement's flooded, you call the basement flooding people. Like there's specific people for all these issues. But for general wellness and general stuff, Unless you're like severely broken and need surgery, uh, the ortho's not the person to go to. Uh, if it's past the point of an acute injury where you need uh, anti-inflammatories and a splint, your general practitioner is not gonna help you, and probably not the ER doc won't be able to help you. So uh, anything below that, like lifestyle stuff, is left to basically the best results you can find on Google or the best word of mouth you can get. And that drives me crazy because it puts people down a wrong path consistently. So find the people you can trust. I hope you think you can trust me. That'd be cool. Reach out if you need anything. And I got a bunch of people that I trust. So even if you don't like me or don't like the way I teach or think that I'm not right for the job, I can tell you that I have uh, contacts in almost every discipline of health and wellness, and I can point you in the right direction to people that I know know what they're doing and I know will listen to you and actually work through your problems instead of just trying to sell you something. Woof little tangent on the end there, not a big deal. All right, we're 12 and a half minutes in, and I think we're going to wrap this bad boy up. So mobility, stability, flexibility, don't get them too confused. They're all important, but they all do separate things. Um, and don't get too worried necessarily about which one you think it is. Go get an outside perspective and have somebody help you figure out which one you need because they're all important. They all help keep you on the job. They'll help keep you safe. But if you emphasize the wrong one when you don't need it, it's not going to do much of any good. All right, guys, as always, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out, fourthshiftfit at gmail.com, fourthshiftfitness on all social media. I'm going to start recording these things more frequently, still releasing them every two weeks, but a lot of different topics, so shoot them over if you got them, if you want to hear me go over anything, or if you want to tell your story, if you have someone's story you think should be told, I'm down with those interviews. I bought the new recorder. I got microphones. I would love to go out and start talking to people in person when it's... possible, when it's acceptable, when it's safe enough, we can always do a zoom in the meantime. So hit me up if you got anything like that. I would love to hear about it. All right. I will talk to you soon. Be a four shifter. Bye-bye.